welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your host, Buddy Satello Esquire, and wrestling's premier photographer, Dr. Mike Leno. But we have, again, our very special guests here for Pride Month. They are the promoters of Full Queer Wrestling in San Francisco, in the Bay Area. Um, we are very, very happy to have Ryan and L. Devine here to... Uh, or, or, L, what, what's the, which Ellie, should we start uh, 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 referring to you as LED now that you've, you've actually debuted? I have debuted, so it's LED forever and ever until, you know. Until you somebody... change gimmicks, it'll yeah, happen exactly. no matter what you do. LED is very conservative of energy. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I need to conserve my energy because my in-ring cardio is not so great. <laughs> You're better than fluorescent gal. It'll improve. Yes. Oh, and yeah. way better than incandescent. Incandescent. I can't wait to see, yeah. see LED at, during the holiday. I won't say Christmas, but during the holidays, because there are lights in many faiths. Uh, we absolutely need to do a Hanukkah lights connect. Oh. With it's LED. Gonna happen. I'll do With it. LED only. C consider the singlet made. I'll do <laughs> so, it. Um, David and lights. So I, I had the privilege of seeing your live show uh, over at the Armistice Brewery in uh, Richmond. And I had a really good time, you know. I mean, I couldn't stay for the entire thing. I couldn't stay for your debut, which I really did want to see. I am very sorry to to miss that. But um, you know, how did it go? You go. You can start off by telling us what was it like to to have your first moment in the ring. Well, coming around the corner with my music hitting was absolutely incredible. Um, I think my my music does a lot of legwork for me too because i enter to fell in love with a girl by the white stripes great song so it's got this very short guitar riff intro that is very recognizable to people who are into the white stripes and then i come around the corner and people were already hyped they were popping for the song before they started popping for me and then they saw me and they were like oh we didn't expect this and uh the regulars have been asking me for a while, like, oh, are you debuting yet? Are you debuting yet? Are you debuting yet? And this time I got to tell them, yes, you got to stay until the end of the show because I'm in the main event. I'm in the main event. And um, those folks popped for me. Um, my mom and her partner and their dog were there. Um, my two closest friends in the whole world, um, my niece and nephew, my uh my cousins my in-laws uh just my a lot of there. yeah a lot of great people um just like the most important people in my life showed up basically our blood um, brother and sister and their children yeah so like everything felt really really good until i got out of the ring and all i could think about was what i did wrong that <laughs> every wrestler in the entire universe and manager in the entire exactly. universe is the same thing. So it's you're not like, totally normal. So it was immediately like, oh, I messed up. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I wish this had been set up better. I wish that I did you have fun? That's that. the main thing. Did you have fun? I did. I did have fun. And I cannot wait. Uh, my next outing is going to be at our show in August called Snapback. Looks good. Thank you. I nice. drew the flyer for this one. You drew the flyer? I the flyer all over Facebook, <laughs> Twitter. I can see it. Did you Facebook. draw that? Ellie I did, it. yes. 
Wait, Russ, well, I, I can't see that. anything on their end. It just says Elizabeth has got a still photo. I can't see any if they're showing a graphic or a program. Or a it post. looks really good. Wow, I, I didn't know you were that good of an artist. I mean, you're That's really good. good. So I can, we can see it? We can't see it. Whatever. Um, well, I can certainly I can see, see if I can link it somehow in the uh, video chat or something. At the very least, I'll, I'll send it over after the call. <laughs> she also did our poster for Pride or Die, the uh, rainbow of wrestlers on black. Um, she's done our last couple of posters. She did the poster for our arm wrestling show, which we just ran uh, yesterday. Let me, ask something quickly, let me ask something quickly about the white stripes. Can they change or can you alter their, the second word of icky thunk into icky trunk? <laughs> One of their famous songs. Another so another great song by them. Uh, another one I considered for my entrance music, but it doesn't doesn't feel as much me. My favorite will always be uh, the hardest button to button, personally. Meg, Meg and Jack White were not related, and then they broke up. They they weren't related. Is that correct? I don't really know. They did a whole uh, like kayfabe siblings in love thing and i don't yeah. know on what level that was real and on what level it was a work i believe they were married and pretending to be siblings okay in kayfabe they were siblings but what happened to her he he went on he's got that fabulous store he he produces other people but what happened to meg white she's still Maybe she drums, just, you know. We can reach out to her and see if you can get her on the podcast next. Yeah, she'd be a great guest. Definitely. So, so, so tell me a little bit more about your first reactions. And then did you go back to the locker room and talk about it with, uh, you know, the, the who, are, who, who are you in the ring with? So um, I should clarify for those who don't know, um, the main event for Pride or Die was the Sylvia Rivera Rainbow Rumble. So it was a Royal Rumble style battle royal. Um, and 13 competitors in honor of each of the 13 stripes on the new Pride flag. Yes. Uh, and then Doc Atrocity introduced himself as the 14th competitor representing a color that our puny human eyes could not perceive. So um, by the time oh, I got in, oh, there had God. already been <laughs> some eliminations. Um, but, you know, I ran in there. I immediately gave Brittany Wonder a clothesline, turned around, saw Cliff Hendricks and Bartman running at me, gave them clotheslines. Um, Brooke Havoc was also in the ring. And I believe it was just us. Yeah, that was everybody. Um Sadly, I did not make it very far in. Um, I eliminated Cliff Hendricks, which I'm very proud of, but um, Brooke Havoc and Bartman, who ended up being the final two in the Rumble, um, kind of worked together say, to eliminate Bart me. Did you say Bartman as in Howard Stern? Bartman as in uh, Bay Area Rapid Transit. He's gotcha. the hero. Oh, that's funny. That our public transit system needs. Bartman right is one of our company's top faces. Uh, he's currently the microaggression champion. Uh, oh. That's a title that acquires a new name in honor of a gay rights activist every time it changes hands. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Does Bartman have an outfit that sort of resembling one of our Bart trains? He's a masked luchador, actually. And his mask uh, looks a lot like you took the Bart logo and made a face out of it, basically. 
Well, and then a B uh, and an A. His tights have a, you know, a design that evokes the trains. He enters to, um, well, there's a Bart train honk. Yes. Right at the drop. And then it goes into, <laughs> then it goes into uh, do the Bart man from The Simpsons. That's right. Nice. Very moves, good. Uh, named after the Bart system. Um, but I will say this guy takes um, kayfabe the most seriously of anyone I've ever worked with. Uh, you will never see him take his mask off. We've never seen his face. <laughs> wow. Except show, I imagine a few people might have gotten a glimpse because the winner of the Rainbow Battle Royale was actually Brooke Havoc. And the way that she eliminated Bartman as the last competitor was that she unmasked him. Oh, wow. Did and he grab a towel or? This, yeah, yeah we, we got, got him a, a towel. Um, we have these merch blankets. Yes. And I ran over with a merch blanket to try to give him some privacy. Because you can, you can imagine the fans That's were. Good. You know, work the merchandise into the actual show. That's good marketing there. So, you know, we of... did that a couple of times this show, actually. We had some drag performers who came out with um, Clacker fans uh, that we gave them uh, as a thank you for participating. Um, and, you know, those were great. The fans are outstanding. Uh, they say queer wrestling fan on them. Oops. That was my. And for the summer, <laughs> they're a great merch item because people get hot at these shows. No, great idea. Absolutely. And the crowd was really good. What, what would you say you had at the Armistice Brewery? How many people do you think? I think we pre-sold almost 100. We probably doubled that at the door, I would say. So 200-ish. For a uh, Sunday I show, that's really good. Yeah. Is that the venue in Richmond where Kraftwerk as well as Bjork had shows? No. No, they no. just they just meet outside. They just meet oh, outside. Yeah, it's, it's a microbrewery. Yeah, you're thinking maybe of the Craneway, which is a great event space. Uh, but they still uh, use it or out it? of our price range. Yeah. But yeah, did they still use that for concerts? I heard that before I moved yeah. from the Bay Area for some. Yeah, they do all kinds of stuff out there. They recently had an immersive VR experience there. Um, they have a yearly craft fair that we love to attend. Yeah, the uh, KPFA um, craft fair. Yeah. It supports local public radio. So um, before we got on the the air, um, uh, uh, Mike was mentioning about uh, 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 Playa Del Mar. And um, well, let, me, let me, since it was me, I just I try to be inclusive and welcoming and opening to everyone. We love everybody. We respect everybody, but I screwed up on pronouns. And I think as a lesson, I, you just have to ask somebody for their preferred pronouns to to be respectful. And I screwed up uh, on someone uh, in drag, not Poyo. I wasn't talking about Poyo, but somebody else. And I didn't know that as a, uh, uh, well, LED, I won't use LED's shoot name. <laughs> that uh is is so that that's true most drag performers uh prefer to be uh, referred to as she is that yes 
Well, the, unless they're a drag king yeah. or a drag monster. The general rule with pronouns is uh, it's never wrong to ask. If you ever have any reason to doubt, it's fine to ask. People are going to be totally okay telling you. Um, and uh, if you wanted to not ask and just go for it, mm -hmm. uh, just oh. go by the way someone is presenting. And for most drag queens, that's going to be in a feminine way. So when they're in drag, at a minimum, you would say she. And then, of course, many drag queens are themselves transgender or would use she, her pronouns outside of drag as well. Mm -hmm. So oh, this is see, I get a bit confused. Uh, I haven't even tried the it or they because there's many, many types. So I think it, for me now, it's best just to ask before, you know, doing anything. It's always fine to ask. But people if slip up. Your face, I mean, especially, well, it's going to be totally it, it hurts when you don't mean to. And then you, you might upset them. And it, that's the last thing you wanted to do. And, and we're all like in this together, trying to be better. You know, it's no longer like, for example, I, I would have hoped last night on a terrific uh, collision debut show for AEW that they didn't call it a six man match. Call These things better be called six person now. You know, it's, it's a way to ease uh, straight white privileged males, for example. Uh, into doing the you know the right thing, respecting people. So, uh, are, do you guys have other? Uh, so, a that's my big takeaway. Ask them first. But are there other things that we can do to make everybody feel welcome and comfortable? I mean, just being respectful in general. You know, uh, queer people present all kinds of different ways. Um, some people, when they meet a queer person and they uh, like have trouble assessing the person's gender presentation immediately, they'll like jump to asking invasive personal questions, which of course is not a step you want to take. Um, yeah. Just you just met this person. Uh, I can't imagine you would do that though, but that is a common issue that sometimes transgender people deal with. And. You know, we as cisgender people aren't like the authorities on this. No. So, you know, we we're very entrenched in the community because we do a lot of work in like LGBT spaces um, and we are queer. But, you know, we can't speak for the trans community and everybody's going to have their own individual wants and needs. But there are things that we can do as cisgender people that we can normalize that will just make lives better easier for trans people like um putting your pronouns in your email signature when you send business emails is super minor it's super easy but it means that for every trans person who needs to clarify what their pronouns are every time they send an email as not to be misunderstood it's going to stand out less if every cis person did it too so it's things like adding adding your pronouns to your social media presence, um, introducing yourself with your pronouns if you're in a space that's, um, you know, specifically aiming to be queer inclusive is another thing you can do. Would it be even easier once in a while when we have business meetings and we're meeting new people, um, our director will introduce herself with pronouns and the rest of us will mention them as we introduce ourselves. Or, or, well, uh, that's, you know, 
that that's how the world is now. I, I almost sometimes think this to myself, which is probably even stupid, is maybe getting rid of all of that. But it, it, it's hard because we've been so ingrained into the you know the old school route. Couldn't just not have. Now there, there's there, there's quite a few. You know, there's there's lots. Um, but but what I was saying earlier is it's 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 kind of nice also for members of the uh, transgender community and so forth to to forgive people that make mistakes. I mean, to get really bent out of shape and really upset when somebody makes a mistake and just calls somebody that inadvertently versus somebody that truly doesn't respect the community and is doing it as a way to hurt somebody that yeah. there's a line between those two things mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of also up to the the, the transgender community to be forget forgiving until we all can adjust and get to the point or at least show you that we're trying to respect you by you know what we do outside of just a pronoun you know it's it's it, the pronoun is good to show respect but there's so many other things that go along with just using the pronoun you wouldn't want someone to 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 you know use the pronouns correctly but as soon as you leave the room you know say something right behind your back kind of thing that's just that's much worse but I, what I, what I, it's just tough because people don't want to most people don't want to be offensive but they are also worried about like what they're going to say about so many other things that the pronouns just sometimes slip out. And I mean, I've caught, I, I have friends who have, I have children who are non-binary and I've used him, the word him or the word her as just part of a regular conversation. It just kind of flows out of you and you just, you're not thinking that, but it just we comes out anyway. To be retrained, like for example, sixty minutes or excuse me, CBS Sunday Morning this morning had, uh, I think it was a seven or eight year old uh, girl who had transitioned already, uh, you know, biologically born male, but she's she now and very well adjusted, a piano whiz, and uh, seemed you know super, but. But this was like in Kentucky or the Carolinas, you know, like you would think a traditionally conservative state and you go, well, man, what she, you know, probably already has gone through in first and second grade, et cetera. You know, I, you couldn't even begin to put yourself in her shoes. And um, it, it's a learning thing because I think it's relatively new in what would you say? Is it been more than three years, three years, four years? I mean, uh, people have been living as yeah. their identified gender for as long as there have been people having the concept of gender roles. John um, of Arc. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really not new. Um, what is new is the well, push a lot of them, to recognize the humanity and grant equal rights to those people because they've always been marginalized and. Um, you know, what you were talking about, like empathizing with the trans community, trying to understand how hard it must be to go through life with people who are willfully calling you by the incorrect pronouns, trying to deny you your right to express your identity the way you feel it. And then furthering that, denying you medical care, um, denying you your rights to privacy, uh, 
accusing your parents of grooming you um, or of molesting you because they're trying to affirm who you are. Like that's the stuff that we as cisgender people can really speak out against. Like that's the stuff where, you know, we, we can vote for the legislation um, and the people who make the decisions. Like we can vote for the politicians who are trans inclusive, who want to expand trans rights and other civil rights in general. So. And if you see someone, you know, being a bigot in public, um, we as, you know, in my case, a straight presenting cis white man, um, I have the privilege to be able to speak up in situations uh, in which someone who is transgender or from another marginalized community would not feel capable of speaking up because I feel comfortable interacting with legal authorities, you know, and I can use language that helps make sure people's rights are respected. So using those abilities that we have as allies is another big way that we can contribute. Yeah, to uh, maybe help or intercede. There's an article I want to send you guys that I had, you know, most people may not have known, but it was known in the gay community. It, there was like a gay uprising in Los Angeles that predated, we're talking like 1955, mm -hmm. where they fought police who were, um, you know, doing all of that stuff prior to the New York, the more famous one, which I think was like 62, 63, something like that. So it occurred in LA. I'll send it up to you because it, of course, references the more famous ones. And it's almost like, you know, uh, refusing to sit at the back of the bus if you're African American. And, uh, you know, so kudos to these folks because it, it took a lot of guts to. Uh, to stand up even then uh, and this was against police too so we actually were discussing the history of negative interactions between the queer community and the police yesterday uh in the context of whether our uh number one heel <laughs> our number one heel in the company the zombie police officer officer down uh would be appearing at Folsom which is the most famous um yeah leather street fair uh, in the world, uh, which is coming right up in September. And we'll be there. And we'll be there. Um, Folsom you is- want to go there? In fact, you guys should because- uh, We're running we a show there. We're running a show really? there. Good for you. Good for We've you. We've got about 16 matches yeah, already on the card, I think. our WrestleMania. <laughs> um, we put on a show that is seven plus hours long. Whoa. Uh, it goes all day. What, what did you guys uh, call it? Dresselmania, like Mickey James charity? No, I mean, yeah, she's got that unlocked. She's got that cornered. I think we're calling it Folsomania, though. Folsomania. Folsomania. I remember there was the poke. We had a lot of fantastic. There was the Union Street Fair, the one on Fillmore, but of course the Polk Street Fair. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was one in the Castro. Uh, you know, it's been a year since I lived there. And that's, I, I would suggest anybody that's, moronic or whatever to go and live in the bay area and you'll learn some empathy uh or new you know parts of new york but i think san francisco in particular um going from conservative la and living 40 years in the bay area and taking photos of divine and john waters and all of the cast and crew from john waters uh, movies 
just a blast. And, um, and we discussed that on the last show, but uh, I have to dig up those photos. This was, I think I told you guys, it was a Halloween annual, big, huge, big money contest called the Beaux-Arts Ball on uh, Oak Street at uh, where the Culinary Academy is now, San Francisco Culinary Academy. But they would have this annual thing there and at the Bill Graham and Divine would come in and uh, I was able to take a ton of photos of her, you know, getting all into outfit and the makeup. And um, that was, gosh, 77, 78, when she was coming up and performing with the Coquettes, that big group, uh, you guys have heard of them. They're, they're pretty, pretty. I think it's pronounced Coquettes, actually. Yeah, like <laughs> I screwed up. Legends. <laughs> white dudes learn stuff every day and we're trying to be better. <laughs> yes. Well, the outcome of it is Officer Down will be appearing at Folsom. Uh, they gave the okay because he is not a real human policeman. <laughs> he is a zombie and therefore not a straight-up policeman. And we're we're going to make every effort to make it very clear that he's uh, a character, you know, because uh, everybody's going to be a character. Well, they had a say, even after they preface that in a wrestling show, you know, right. I, uh, it, it, the it, village it, people had a policeman and the fireman. Or yes, fireman. They, did. they did. And a lot of people really love the aesthetic. So, you know, they'll wear like their leather lots cop hats wear, and leather vests and stuff. Lots of people wear Folsom. police outfits to Folsom. Yeah. But there is a rule for the record, just to give context to this. There's a rule that the police don't show up at Folsom in general. Yeah. The way that they would at many other street fair type events. So the police, they don't get a float in the pride parade. Right. So the police provide law enforcement protection as a perimeter. And then if they are called in by Folsom site security, then they're allowed to come in and do what needs to be done as police. But um, I think the organizers of Folsom told us that this hardly ever happens, and it didn't happen. I was going to say I don't think there's ever been a big incident at the Folsom Street Fair that I can ever remember. The Street Fair. Remember what happened? I was still living in the Bay Area when every year Halloween in the Castor was a huge deal, always peaceful. But then a bunch of schmucks. They kept claiming the majority were coming up from San Jose and ruining it to where it was unsafe for everyone, and they put a stop to it. So I don't know since the pandemic has. Uh, Halloween and the Castro returned, or no, not really. That's terrible, um, ridiculous. My, <laughs> it's really funny. My, uh, my mom moved to the Debose Triangle area, you know, just a short walk from Castro Street when I was in high school, and I was so excited because my parents never wanted to take me there because they knew it got rowdy, um, but high schoolers get more independent. So I was like, I'm just gonna walk over there, and then. The year that we moved was the year they shut the goings on down. So I never got to see it. I, I got to say this before I leave. I was very bummed to see what's happening. Westfield Center on Market Street closing. Saks has pulled out. That's been there like a billion years. Before I got married, I used to, you know, there were some women that worked in there. The movie theater shutting down. The uh, Which movie West theater? The Westfield, the Cinemark. So the, with the whole shopping center, yes. yeah. they're, they're not renewing. They're going to default. Nordstrom's had pulled out, but Saks, which was right on, what, Powell at the Curry, is, is, if it's not shuttered, I don't know if Neiman Marcus is still there, but all of this stuff that made 
you know, that area of Union Square where my, my dental office was right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I guess, I, thank goodness I was there and had fun. I had fun before we lost Candlestick Park and all the cool stuff. And it's kind of, a, you know, a bummer because it's such a beautiful city. You know, when you're riding across the Bay Bridge and happened to do that once when the, it was Fleet Week and the bombers were overhead, you know, even though that's sort of like a, a pol- military political thing. But, you know, you just go, wow, what a gorgeous city. It's like a mini New York, but cleaner. And uh, hearing all this stuff now, I don't, I don't know what the solution is, but I hope uh, they find it soon. You know, well, so. you have to come back up here again, Mike, before it's all gone. Well, you guys, I have a complete collection of Gong Pro Wrestling magazines from the very first issue in the 60s when it was a monthly to when it became Shukan or weekly. And uh, Gong went out of business. It was the older of the two newsstand magazines. I'm the only guy to date on the planet, male, female, whatever, uh, to have worked and written and shot for both Shukan Gong and Shukan Baseball, which is the only surviving one. Shukan, meaning weekly, it's Shukan uh, pro, res, pro wrestling slash baseball, even though it's just wrestling and MMA. There's no baseball in it. I don't know why they have that in the title. That is the younger of the two magazines. Gong went out of business 14 years ago due to an alleged Yakuza scandal. The other one is still around, and it's the only weekly newsstand magazine in Japan of all places where uh, pro wrestling is big. <laughs> Well, for what it's worth, we may, as full queer, become part of the solution in revitalizing downtown San Francisco. Yep. Because our director, Jetta, is applying for a grant, which would cover our rent for a space in which we could produce our show. Wow. Now that, I think that's an exclusive. Isn't yeah, it? it is. This is actually the first time we've talked about this. So it's wow. not it's not confirmed yet. We it's we have a lot of plans, and we've wanted we've wanted some form of premises for a long time. It's been like the pipe dream that we'd be able to establish like a brick and mortar base of operations, ideally with an apartment, so that out of town workers. What about the club Club DNA had uh, Audra's incredibly strange wrestling when she took that from Johnny Legend. And then after uh, Fog City Wrestling, Dominic used to have his shows at the uh, DNA. DNA. You mean that we should buy the DNA Lounge? Yeah. That'd be uh, nice. I don't know if these are still happening there. So maybe, uh, yes, I would say. You know, the DNA Lounge is still around. Uh, Hood Slam performs there um, from time to time. But you're thinking of getting your own dedicated space. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad idea with all these places opening up in downtown. It used to be inconceivable in like yeah. the 80s and 90s, but you right. know, right. Uh, if, uh, if, uh, vacancies. if the shopping center, if West shopping center is going to be totally empty soon, you, you maybe you could, a lot of square footage, you know, and uh, to put on wrestling shows, you don't actually need all that much. No, Especially you just need the ring and yeah, a bathroom. Really important to have a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've spent my time changing in alleys enough to know that you know you can make do with a sheet and 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 a clothesline basically. I've I've been in them. Russ has too, in locker rooms where the women just you know changed right there. You know, you tried to give them privacy. The other way. before I go, guys, let me just quickly plug some books. Todd Gordon, who used to own, he was the owner who started 
Eastern Championship Wrestling has a new book coming out next month called mm-hmm. Todd is God. It's the first Simon & Schuster pro wrestling book since they stopped doing WWE's books a good decade ago. Uh, Ken Patera's got a great new book out. He talks about Iron Sheik and Billy Graham in it, who we both lost. So RIP to both of those legends. And a friend of mine I'm trying to bring to this show, Scott Stevens, who is a roller derby, roller game star. That is like pro wrestling. This is old school, old school 70s. He's got a new book, Rolling Thunder, out. The history of derby and roller games. There were two competing leagues from about the 40s to the 80s. A roll, uh, excuse me, roller derby in the Bay Area. That was Jerry Selzer's. He was, and there was a enterprise. And the more localized Los Angeles games, the Bill Griffiths entity. But uh, Scott Stevens was a skater during those original years. You know, with a ton of legends like Ann Calvello, who lived right in South San Francisco proper. She was like the Luthes of roller games, roller derby, uh, cool. and had skated in seven different decades. So I'm sure you guys have heard of her because she was the first person in the 40s to put silhouettes, all this color stuff in her hair well before Dennis Rodman started doing it. And then she did some photo shoot with Dennis Rodman later on where she had like the Beatles and their guitar on one side all uh, done into her hair somehow with spray colors. And on the other side was Elvis and his uh, signature guitar. So. She was the coolest, but she was called the moolah of roller derby roller games, the fabulous moolah of derby roller games. And then she would say, when I take her to Gary Radnich at Channel 4 for the sports report, no, she's the Ann Calvello of pro wrestling. You know, so she knew all of those guys. She had a famous affair with Pepper Gomez, the great wrestler who lived near me in Alameda. Um, just there's a lot of crisscrossing between the two. This is not the, today's legitimate shoot skating on for derby you know that's all over the place i know san francisco and la have their own teams new york does this is the old school it was all choreographed just like all right i will have to do a show on roller derby one of these they had their own they had their own tonight roller derby is not tonight so anyway mike (laughs) it's good to have you on this week we'll have you on next week and um good to have you we'll we'll see you again my best to the two promoters. It sounds like bigger, better, exciting, and more inclusive activity from them. So kudos to you guys. Congratulations. Thank you. Good night there, Mike. But you guys stay on. We're we're still we're still going here. You got All right. it. Now, now we can talk wrestling. Oh my God. Was he ever gonna stop talking about roller derby? I don't know. I I, <laughs> I usually I have kind of like this uh the gong show that you ever heard of the gong show? Oh yeah. I, She's yeah, performing I, I in a version of the gong show. Oh, really? Okay. So, but I, you know, I get ready with that. You know, when he starts going really far off, I have to like gong him and, and get us back on track. But um, what I did want to say is uh, some of my impressions of your show that I went to. And um, I was, I was very impressed with it, first of all, just as a complete, you know, overarching thing. I think he had great talent on there, you know, um, the Aries match the aries austin star match that you had uh before the uh intermission was really a, a very oh, talking good. about anton Voorhees. yeah anton Voorhees. Ashton, sorry yeah, yeah. Ashton, and austin star the, the uh that was anton anton star anton Voorhees, who's anton. our current lone star champion uh defended okay. against um ashton star it was Ashton's the first time sorry. the two of them had actually fought each other 
though they've Solo. worked for the same shows many times they, and they fought in tag matches yeah. etc um, and but that was, was a quality match. match that that was a quality match that you could see on aew or even like a, a you know a lower card in the wwe um and that i thought was well timed to have that right before intermission you know it built up your card built up well to that intermission match because a lot of a lot of feds will not they not deliver a really quality match before intermission mm. i don't know why because you want to end on a high note to bring people back in you know for but a lot of times those intermission matches before intermission they just you know go through the motion so i thought that was very well booked so i wanted to give you guys credit for that i thought you had a good mix of um interviews and promos with the matches that were good to give people like uh, a, a doc atrocity a chance to really introduce people uh you know uh, uh i forgot the name of the 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 uh the lady he was introducing um doc atrocity was during oh promo. um eliza hammer yeah eliza hammer. eliza hammer but, uh, now eliza hammer she yes. does want us to call her madam extreme it's true <laughs> Madam Extreme, she was very good working with the crowd, and where you know, uh, uh, I didn't think the promo went on too long. I think you guys are getting a good sense of like how to mix the action with the promos. None of these things went too long. You did not get any boring chance. You did not have anybody, you know. Uh, I think you know, feeling that that the matches were overextended or overbooked. Um, I I had a really good time. I, I and again, I hadn't seen a live match in over five years, so it was really special to get a chance to see what you guys were doing and uh, that you pulled it off. You know, um, uh, and I, what were your thoughts of the show? As far as producing it, um, I feel like everything went uh, really well. Um, you know, we're continuing to work on our ticket numbers. Uh, ticket sales are absolutely our number one source of revenue. So we're working on new ways to promote. Um, for this next show, we've invested um, twice as much upfront in uh, flyers to pan out to start flyering the show. We started it over this past weekend um, at our first ever arm wrestling show, which is a new thing that we're trying now. I'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we had no, like, backstage drama at the show, the kind of things Amazing. that uh, ruin the vibe. Um, we try very hard to maintain a good locker room environment. We want everyone to support each other, uh, hold each other up. We're all part of the community, or at least we're here to support the community um, for those who are straight people. There's a few of them. There's a few of them. We call we them our token them. straight guys, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, many other wrestling companies, uh, the locker room environment is not positive for queer people. Oh, especially God, transgender think. performers. Who's this? Who's this? Malcolm. <laughs> this is uh, a friendly program, too. He's so uh, one of our two original cats. Uh, we got these cats <laughs> right after we moved in together. He's Bring named after the Malcolm Reynolds. Does he like to be on camera? Does he, he, like he does. He does. Cat tax. Oh, Got a oh, cat tax. Always destroyed my sweater. 
if Here, you just want sit with us. to destroy my sweater. Yeah, he's our he's our handsome brown coat. We're we're definitely crazy cat people at this point. Over the pandemic, we've fostered six kittens from the same litter. Wow. And um, we named them all after AEW wrestlers. He did. And Ryan uh, Lex here built him uh, built a, a ring, like to scale. Um, and we made a uh, little made logo for them that said Kitten Wrestling Federation. And yeah, we we skirts. We nah. we filmed um, the kittens play fighting. The entire time we had them and we filmed backstage interview segments and then we would cut the footage together to look like actual wrestling matches. You know, at, at the shows, at the, at, at, the, at the full queer wrestling shows, you should have, uh, you know, during intermission or something, you should probably have a monitor going with some of the kitty wrestling stuff. You could, show probably that. could totally do that. People would probably go nuts over that. So um, uh, the other thing I wanted to say, and I mean, this is for the general audience, is that even though your name is is full queer wrestling, I didn't feel it was overly queer. You know, I didn't feel it was it was overly sexualized. I don't think it was. I think anyone that's a fan of wrestling could go to that and enjoy it as much as they went to any show an AEW show. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the, the fact that you guys are full of queer wrestling, but it, it's almost a disservice in a way because it's not full queer. It's it's just wrestling, you know? Well, you haven't I, seen our Folsom Street Fair show. No, yet. and then, um, you know, that's, but that's, that's going it's very to a, a targeted actually. audience. Yeah, you're going to a targeted audience there, and that's yeah. where you're really, you know, allowed to just... You know, let it. You know, no pun intended. Let it all hang out. But, <laughs> yes. but, uh, but the you know, for a general audience that you provided at the armory at the uh, at the Armistice Brewery, I didn't feel it was anything that you, a parent couldn't take their kid to. You know, there wasn't a ton of swearing. There wasn't a ton of of working blue or things yeah. that were overly sexualized that would make people really feel uncomfortable. If they, if that's, that's all not- my design. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, other gay wrestling shows tend to be adults only, um, and you know the performers do a lot of sexual jokes, a lot of sexual physical comedy, um, and it, they're just not family friendly shows by design. But we run time. We have this two p.m. time slot. Um, a lot of people come after brunch. They come after church. Uh, and we appeal to families. So we produce an all-ages show. It's a queer show, and it's an inclusive show, and most of the performers on any given show will be queer in one way or another. But that but doesn't mean that it's not a family-friendly show. It's, yeah, I think it's a great message to send that you can be queer and deliver a product that's not overly sexualized. That, so that, here's that, the thing, right? We don't we don't think of WWE as straight wrestling, but, but by is. default that's what it is. People who are married in character are almost always straight. Um, I think the only queer representation I've seen from them is queer as the other people like uh, Gold Dust. Um, who, you know, people called him queer and he was like, I'm not queer. And, you know, like 
you know, there's William Sonia, Regal coming out in drag and stuff. But Sonia Deville now, and maybe a couple others. Yeah, but that's only become the case in the last couple of years. And the Sonia Deville Mandy Rose like will they won't they storyline was played for the straight audience to ogle at them, and so like queer stories are just wrestling stories like any other like we're. We just live our lives and have conflict with people and have relationships with people. And I think part of the the problem uh, in politics and stuff right now is that so often, um, you know, queerness is represented as this adult thing that children shouldn't be exposed to. But it's just a fact of life. And it's only as sexualized as people make it. And that's what's othering about it. So what we want to do is show the kids in the audience that, like, there are many types of people that you can grow up to be. And some are good and some are bad. And, you know, we've got no gender divisions or weight class divisions in full queer because it's part of that. Like, we don't want anyone to be defined by anyone part of them we just want to have a whole really diverse interesting group of characters and then throw them at each other and see where conflict arises or who who works well together stuff like that which means that you have to work on your storylines and you did and it showed that's what's what i'm really proud of you guys for is that you could tell the work that when you just didn't bring a bunch of people together and say work it you know just work your match and then end it you know and that's it i mean there really was yeah we got to credit i have to credit jetta the brain um, behind all of she's this <laughs> the the brains behind full queer um she's the director of the show and all booking decisions ultimately are up to her so wrestlers if you're watching this um you could get in contact with me like Slash Ryan Divine, but really you should get in contact with Jetta. Yeah, if you're if you're trying to you know brother brother us, you really got a sister sister Jetta. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But uh, I, she she has these um, extremely detailed scripts. She's the one that controls the pacing of the show. She's the one who sets the time limits, and she's very particular about how she wants things done. So, um, and I think this is incredible because we have such a supportive locker room that when she gives a direction, everybody listens to and respects her for it because they see the bigger picture. We're trying to build this into a regular show. Our hope is that we can get attendance up enough that we can really start turning a profit and run every month um, in Richmond because she's got this whole she has the whole long term story stories. planned she's got she's got years of builds and conflicts and you know grudge matches and all this stuff in her brain and so she's trying to balance the the very real needs of the promotion like our budgetary constraints um and like the political things like okay it would be good to work with these folks cuz they're in contact with these folks and they have these connections stuff like that but it always makes sense and it always tells a larger story of queer empowerment. And I think it's really great to hear you put over things like the, the matches not being too long and the stories being clearly expressed and the, the promos coming in at the right times and even the Ashton versus Anton match coming right before intermission. All of that is really just- I pay very close attention to that. 
I pay very close attention to those things. And, you know, um, and I'm not the kind of person. I mean, I have been to, you know, garbage shows and shows that just seem like they were put on by by kindergartners, you know, that, that are doing the school plays. You know, it, it, it there's a difference there. And and you guys ran it very. First of all, you started on time. That was a first. Uh, either way, you did that while I was there, and that, that already you get super bonus points for starting on time. That, that because you. I've been to shows that start half an hour, forty five minutes late, and that's so disrespectful to the audience. I've been to shows that start an hour late. Yeah, that's true, and yeah. and that's so disrespectful to an audience that's sitting there waiting for you to start, and they got nothing to do, and they're just well looking at an empty ring, you know. Um, I think our latest show was about 20 minutes late, but we try to keep it on time. Yeah, I mean, 15 minutes, okay, that's not a big deal. You know, when it's (laughs) 10, 15 minutes late, that's not a big deal. But when you hit that hour part where people are just looking at each other, you know, and they're on their phones. You don't want to be there. Yeah, and you already get the audience off to a bad foot, you know, and they're already in a negative state of mind. You know, you hit the audience while they're hot and ready for you. That carries through for the entire show. Mm-hmm. A lot of promoters don't understand that. And I really hope that the brewery is happy with you guys. You know, they're I'm, very happy. They, they're they the ones that are pushing us to try to run more often because yes. they they're like, we want to make this a event every month that people from the area can start to come every month. Um, and like really build a culture around this. And I think that's so cool. Armistice, every single person we've worked with at Armistice. They were very been, nice. They, they were very outstanding. You can also Super bring that. Organized, over. professional. They make great beer. Great yeah. beer. Incredible, yeah. <laughs> incredible beer. They have a special Pride Month beer. Sours, I should put it over. It's called the Gayest. It comes in a rainbow can. All profits from the sales of this beer go to the Trevor Project, I believe. Um, and, uh, you know, it tastes Don't just great. drink Bud Light. Don't just drink Bud Light. Get, get, get the gayest ale if you can. But <laughs> Bud Light, I mean, it's whatever. Maybe they did this one deal, but it's a corporate beer. You know, you're just supporting InBev, which is one of the biggest liquor companies in the world. Right. No, you're absolutely but, you right. Know, you go to a microbrewery, you're supporting your community. And that's that's what full queer has been about since the beginning was like community building outreach. Like we are, we are almost running this as if it was an activist organizing group or something like that's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, our really, director does she has a background in that. Yeah. You can feel the support from your fans. And I know it's great that a lot of the fa- friends and family were there to see you go, but you could feel it within everybody that was there. You know, we were all, supporting there's so much love, and I, I hate to use the term love in the audience because obviously you hate the heels and you're you know you're you're supposed to root against the bad guys but i think everybody there you could feel the support there wanting to make this into a bigger thing and to to see this you know to be there for you guys and to be there for the effort that you're putting forward to entertain us we felt that and that's the thing that made us attend and want to you know 
go to other matches and be there for the future and and to see this thing get bigger bigger and better for you and and you know you guys are not sitting on your laurels you're not sitting there going you know patting yourselves on the back and and saying well of course you guys love us you know exactly exactly i think that that (laughs) you guys are 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 showing that you're you want to grow with this and not just put it on the shelf and say well that was fine we'll never do it again as i said the the way most shows are you know probably the day after you were done you were probably like oh my god we'll never do it we're we're not gonna do show maybe in 10 more years but we're not gonna do it anytime (laughs) sooner than that and then yeah, you the know roller coaster of producing wrestling shows is quite something yeah it is but I, t- at least from the outside looking in nothing went wrong the, from our perception Fabulous. of looking <laughs> at it and i know that no wrestling show ever goes that smoothly but i didn't hear people yelling at each other i didn't hear people like saying you stupid, you know, swearing at each other because somebody blew a spot or somebody, you know, didn't like tie down part of the ring or, you know, uh, uh, their promo went too long or they forgot something or I didn't see any of that. And I mean, you have, as you said, the locker room is key. You have some amazing presences in that locker room from atrocity to the Stoner brothers being there to watch and make sure that everything was going okay. You know, you had Christina Von Erie there. Uh, Kikio, the Fallen Flower was there. Uh, Brittany Wonder was there. I mean, these are some real veteran names and tops. They, they aren't big enough so that people who are WWE fans know who they are. But if you're here in the Bay Area, the people that you brought on that card were some of the best veterans you could get for you know for the money and i think that really helped glue the card together and make it solid there was no point in time where you were really saying to yourself why are these people in the ring they, they should they have no business being in the ring i felt that at, you know some btw matches for sure the, oh, wow. you know, yeah well god with uh dash rip rock you know i don't know if you guys are for, he, was, he hasn't wrestled in. I, I can step on his toes because he hasn't wrestled probably in about 15 years. But he he was so awful. You would see him in the ring and you just go, who trained this guy? Why is he in the ring? He just has no skill or talent. And, 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 and you know, everybody that I saw in, in your fed had a reason to be in there and had a good in-ring story to tell. And they told it, and nobody was. I th- everyone had that opportunity to do that, and you guys are about opportunity. And now yeah. that you've provided those opportunities for everybody else, the best opportunities should be there for you guys too. And well, uh, we, we, um, if I could say something that sounds a little hackneyed, uh, I believe firmly that wrestling is a team sport, and we're all on the team. So especially as a queer wrestling company, you know, as I said earlier, we need to maintain a positive environment, hold each other up, recognize that we're in this to put on the show together, you know, and we're all on the same team here. Like I'm I personally am proud to be part of your guys' team. 
Thanks. You know, it's 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 I, I feel if I can be part of it, you know, it brings me back to the days of my APW and CCW stuff. And and I, but I but I I appreciate your level of organization, your thoroughness, your ability to make this stuff happen. And, you know, considering it takes bravery to do what you're doing instead of, you know, I, I'm sure before you did any show, there were people that detracted against it and said, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You know, um, yes. uh, they're still telling us that. And yes. they still are. And, and it, it, yeah. it, it comes down to you guys. To, and I know you guys now. You know, because I've, 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 we've had off uh, uh, mic conversations and things like that. But you're never going to back down. This is the thing that is going to make you guys a success. And uh, I'm really admire the show that you put on. And I know it's going to get even better the more you put shows on. You're going to get even more polished and and maybe get into some big <laughs> venues. And sometime when it's on TV, I can say your mouth to God's ears. I swear. <laughs> I've seen it happen too, you know. I've seen guys, you know. I, look, I, I worked at CCW shows with uh, 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 Timothy Thatcher when he was just a skinny little kid, and 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 he was just as nice as as the day was long. But he, nobody knew who he was. He wasn't fighting against uh, uh, a Brian Danielson for 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 a title on TV, you know. By the way, if Timothy Thatcher watches this. Uh, yeah, if we you're would out love there, to get in touch with you. Please, please, please tell us your rates. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Timothy again. He's he's such a nice guy, and he he was so great to work with. But what I'm saying is, you are in a position now to start generating really great talent. You you've got this great connection too with Hood Slam and Stoner U that you can start funneling guys into, and they can be part of uh, Full Queer without feeling like. I'm going to be typecast, you know, like they can do what they want to do as a straight wrestler or as a queer wrestler and not feel like that's what I've got to be for the rest of my career. You know, you, you can be a starting point and yet not a, a, a dead end for, uh, for these wrestlers. And that's going to be a great moment. I feel like we should put over some of our uh, up and comers. Yeah, we draw but this from this is the segue perfect for that. <laughs> we draw from a bunch of places um, at Full Queer. We're always on the lookout for up and coming talent. Um, uh, we're talking about booking Jin Savani uh, for our upcoming show, Snapback, uh, in August. Um, she's an upcoming queer wrestler. She was on the QWI Top 200 recently. Um, We've got Brooke Havoc as our new Prince X of Pride champion. Um, she's an up-and-comer, getting a lot of recognition. She's appeared on AEW. Um, she was also originally dressed by LED, who also <laughs> designs and makes wrestling gear. Um, she's clothed a number of our performers, including making all of her own wrestling gear. Uh, but back to Brooke, um, she, I think she started training right right before the pandemic um so i was training with her under rick luxury at Newfane pro for like a couple of weeks before the whole world shut down and then she went to the nightmare factory in georgia oh wow. yeah. roads was mentored by him yeah um and she's had so many setbacks uh 
injury wise, but has come back better and stronger every single time. She is so dedicated and being a part of full queer means a ton to her. Clearly. Like when we gave her the belt, she, she got so emotional and it was like really sweet to see her so invested in, in what we're doing. And then in return, we finally, we get to put some, you know, shine on her name by giving her, one of the prettiest belts in all of indie wrestling, I think. It looks like the uh, IWGP uh, belt, but uh, purple instead of white. Cute. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, guys, that's the, unfortunately, that's the hour. It's, it goes by so quickly. But uh, please, first of all, promote your Fed, promote the next show, and uh, tell everybody all about it. I love that flyer, it's amazing. Thank Your you so artwork much. is really good. Check out the flyer image on uh, all our socials. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. Um, you can find links to that at beacons.ai slash fullqueer. Um, also see our next show, Snapback. Uh, that's August 13th. We will also be performing an adults-only show at the Folsom Street Fair preview show, uh, which is called Up Your Alley slash The Dory Alley Fair. Uh, we'll be doing an exhibition match or two at their Twister stage, I believe. Um, that details of that are still being worked out, but look for us there at, uh, on July 30th. Then you've got Snapback August 13th at 2 p.m. Uh, and then, of course, we will also be performing our seven-hour extravaganza <laughs> at the Folsom Street Fair. That's definitely an adults-only show. Um, and then we'll also be at the Barrison Street Fair uh, later this year. So yeah, those are all the those are great shows. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, uh, you want to give anybody your contact info for your social media stuff so they can get a hold of you? Yes, we are at Full Queer on almost every social media platform. We're there on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Full Queer. And if you want to send us an email directly, we are looking for sponsorships. We're always taking new resumes from talent so just email fullqueerevents at gmail.com and we'll get back to you excellent guys we'll have you on again for sure i'm looking forward to your august show i want to come again and you know hopefully i can be able to stay for the, the entire show you know it's like you know, just get to see you up there you know i could use a lawyer that's something else we can talk about off air so we, we should definitely uh, uh, get, have a little bit of like back and forth on that. But I'm sure the fans don't want to get any of those details. That'll be just for us. Yes. <laughs> Privilege. Maybe another 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 Pretty time at the Black Bear Diner. Another <laughs> dinner at the Black Bear Diner. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about all that. Perfect. Sounds great. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. And uh, we'll have you on again very soon. Sounds Good night, good. everybody. Always a pleasure.